Section 16 of Some Famous Women by Louise Creighton. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Pamela Nagami. Chapter 12 Queen Victoria, Part 1. It is impossible in one short chapter to tell about all the things that made Queen Victoria's reign famous, and I am only going to tell something about her own life and to try to show what kind of a woman she was. Her father was the Duke of Kent, son of King George III, and her mother was a German princess. The Princess Victoria was their only child, and she was born in 1819 in Kensington Palace. It was possible that the little princess might some day be Queen of England, but at her birth she had three uncles living, older than her father, who would all have a right to the throne before her. She was only a few months old when her father and grandfather died, and her eldest uncle became king as George IV. Her mother, a German lady, was very lonely in England. Her chief adviser was her brother Leopold, then living in England. He made the Duchess of Kent feel how important her position was as mother of the child who might be queen some day. He said that she must be brought up in England, so the Duchess consented to live on at Kensington Palace and devoted herself to the education of her child. In after years, the Queen, writing about her childhood, said that her chief pleasure was visiting her uncle Leopold, who lived at Claremont near Escher. She was brought up very simply and always slept in her mother's bedroom. When she stayed at Claremont or by the seaside, where they often went, she did her lessons in her governess's bedroom. She was not fond of learning and did not know her letters till she was five. George the Fourth had quarrelled with her father and did not like her mother, and took very little notice of them. But she went as a child to see him at Windsor and remembered how he took her by the hand, saying, Give me your little paw. Next day he met her driving in the park and stopped his carriage and said, Pop her in, and she was very pleased to drive by his side in the carriage with his servants in scarlet liveries. When she was thirteen, her mother gave her a small red Morocco book in which to write her diary, and from that day till a few days before her death, she used to write down every night the events of the day. As a little girl, she wrote down the hours of her lesson, when she went out riding, or was taken to the theatre, or to hear music, and when she washed Dash, her pet dog. The princess's governess was a German lady, Fräulein Leitzen, whom she adored, though she was greatly in awe of her. She spoke German before she learned English, but her mother took care that she should learn English well. When she was eight, a clergyman, Mr. Davies, was appointed to direct her education. He chose a number of teachers for her, and himself taught her religion and history. Her life was strict and dull, and in after years she did not look back to her childhood as a happy time. George the Fourth died when she was six, and was succeeded by his brother William the Fourth, who had no children, so that Princess Victoria was now heir to the throne. Her mother did not get on with William the Fourth, and did not like her to go to court, and this made the king very angry, though he was always very kind to the little princess when she visited him privately. She was not allowed to go to his coronation, because the king and her mother could not agree as to the place she should take in the procession. This was a great disappointment, and she wept bitterly. 
nothing could console her not even her dolls it was a great grief to the princess when her uncle leopold left england to become king of belgium she was devotedly attached to him and he to her and she always looked to him for advice and guidance they wrote to one another constantly in terms of the deepest affection he recommended her books to read and discussed the affairs of europe with her as part of her education her mother used to take her on tours through different parts of england when they visited the great nobles and some of the chief sites and most important cities she was sometimes a little tired by all the stiff ceremonies she had to go through though she liked seeing people she was very fond of music and dancing spent much of her time in singing and learned to play the harp when she was sixteen she was confirmed by the archbishop of canterbury and he spoke to her so seriously about the duties of her position that she was drowned in tears and frightened to death one of her uncle leopold's most cherished plans was that the princess should marry her cousin prince albert of saxe coburg and when she was seventeen he arranged that prince albert who was a few months younger should visit england with his father and elder brother the visit was a great success the princess wrote to her uncle they are both very amiable very good and kind and extremely merry just as young people should be albert is extremely handsome they are excessively fond of music like me a fortnight later she wrote i must thank you beloved uncle for the prospect of great happiness you have contributed to give me in the person of dear albert allow me then my dearest uncle to tell you how delighted i am with him and how much i like him in every way he possesses every quality that could be desired to make me perfectly happy he is so sensible so kind and so good and so amiable too he has besides the most pleasing and delightful exterior and appearance you can possibly see prince albert thought his cousin very amiable and wonderfully self-possessed nothing was however said about marriage during this visit and the prince returned to germany just after the princess was eighteen her uncle king william the fourth died on june twentieth eighteen thirty seven she herself described in her journal what happened afterwards i was awoke at six o'clock by mamma who told me that the archbishop of canterbury and lord conningham were here and wished to see me i got out of bed and went into my sitting-room only in my dressing-gown and alone and saw them they told her that the king was dead and kneeling to kiss her hand greeted as queen the slim young girl just roused from sleep a couple of hours later lord melbourne the prime minister came to see her and she wrote i saw him in my room and of course quite alone as i shall always do all my ministers she who had been so carefully guarded by mother and governess had now to act alone and it seems from the way she notes it in her journal as if she was glad she held her first council that morning and again writes that she went to it quite alone there she read the speech that lord melbourne had prepared for her to the ministers and privy councillors every one was struck with the way in which she bore herself though she was very short not five feet tall her movements were dignified and graceful her voice which was very beautiful was clear and untroubled and thrilled her hearers the blush on her cheek added to the interest and charm of her appearance lord wellington said 
she not merely filled her chair she filled the room she was quite composed she wrote in after years that she took things as they came as she knew they must be what she was feeling she wrote that night in her diary since it has pleased providence to place me in this station i shall do my utmost to fulfil my duty toward my country i am very young and perhaps in many though not in all things inexperienced but i am sure that very few have more real good will and more real desire to do what is fit and right than i have she wrote too in large letters i am queen she was delighted with the kindness of lord melbourne her prime minister and he from the first felt deeply the charm of the girl queen whose steps he guided like a father after the quiet dull life she had led hitherto it was an amazing change for her and she enjoyed it to the full she loved meeting people and enjoyed the large dinners at which she presided she loved her long rides with the ladies and gentlemen of her court she enjoyed the court balls at which she used to dance all night but she was also determined from the first to do her work as queen she felt that the country was hers that the ministers were hers and that the people were her people whom she had to govern from the first she showed that as queen she was going to be independent of her mother the duchess lived with her but she had a separate set of rooms and was allowed no share in public business long hours were spent by the queen with lord melbourne talking over public affairs that she might learn to understand them he constantly dined with her and when he did always sat next to her and often talked to her of books and of people whom he had known she wrote in her diary he has such stores of knowledge such a wonderful memory he knows about everybody and everything and he imparts all his knowledge in such a kind and agreeable manner another friend and adviser was baron stockmar a german friend of the queen's uncle leopold whom he had sent to england to help her to understand politics he was a wise man of great knowledge and taught the queen how she must keep out of party politics and what were the limits of her power it was difficult to know exactly what was the power of the sovereign in england the monarchy was not popular when victoria became queen neither george the fourth nor william the fourth had been much respected and they had had little influence on affairs victoria had a high idea of her position as well as of her duties as queen but she had to learn exactly how much she was able to do sometimes she was deeply vexed when she could not get her own way and she made some mistakes at first but her strong sense of duty kept her in the right way and showed her the kind of influence she could use her ministers might change but she was always there and as she took the greatest trouble to know all that was going on and read all the most important dispatches written by her ministers she soon got a very wide understanding of affairs particularly of foreign politics it was a strange life for a girl all the morning she read dispatches or signed her name to papers or talked to her ministers then came her long rides her music and singing a game of battledore and shuttlecock with some of her ladies a dinner followed by dancing music cards or wise talk with her ministers she enjoyed it all the power and the freedom and the attention paid to her by the waiting crowds when she rode out shortly after her accession she went to live at buckingham palace it had been built in the reign of george the fourth 
but neither he nor William the Fourth had lived there. It was not at all a convenient house, and afterwards the Queen improved it very much. She at first thought Windsor a very melancholy place, but she learned to like it when in the summer her uncle Leopold stayed there with her, and she wrote after his visit, I have passed such a pleasant time here, the pleasantest summer I ever passed in my life. She was very hospitable and invited many relations and other guests to stay at Windsor, and liked to show them all over the castle, even into the kitchen. The Queen's first public appearance of importance was when the month after her accession she dissolved Parliament and herself read her speech from the throne. Her voice was said to be exquisite, and her manner of speaking quite perfect. Next year came her coronation. She seems to have enjoyed the great day immensely. As she drove through the enthusiastic crowds on her way to Westminster Abbey, she felt proud to be the queen of such a nation. When she got back to the palace ten hours after she had set out, she did not really feel tired, and after dinner felt much gratified when Lord Melbourne said to her with tears in his eyes, You did it beautifully, every part of it with so much taste. Later from her mother's balcony, she watched the fireworks. End of section 16